Welcome to Sage Bay Belconnen. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Nikhant. had a good time last week opening up this uh, first series on, uh, first message on match fitness in this series. And I want to continue that today, talking a little bit about spiritual fitness. And I want to just take you to a passage in uh, Revelation as we open this one up. And did you know that in Revelation there is a spiritual workout? Uh, Revelations chapter four, and let me, uh, let me sort of read this to you and you'll get a picture of it. Uh, it's John getting a vision of the throne room of heaven and he's describing this incredible picture with all these wild looking uh, spiritual beings. And it says that <clears throat> in the center and around the throne were these living beings that had wings that were covered with eyes and quite an amazing picture. And it says day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. But here's, here's where the workout comes in. It says, whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne. And say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created everything, and it's for your pleasure that they exist and were created. Now, let me, let me just kind of paint you the workout picture there. So there are these living beings that spend all day and all night shouting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it tells us that every time they do that, there is a circle of elders who literally take off their crowns, put them on, and throw themselves on the ground. And I'm assuming to be able to do that again, they've got to sort of get back up again. So I think this is like a spiritual burpee. Now, James Manning is going to help us with this. So, okay, James, uh, in the auditorium there, if you're, if you're not in uh, the watch party at church, then you can try this out at home, right? But James uh, is, is going to demonstrate this for us. And so every time they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and is and is still to come. Well, James is going to demo. He, he's just kind of, he's got to take off his crown, right? And then, then go on, James, and then sort of get down on the ground uh, and then, you know, get back to the starting position. And it says that those beings continually say that. So those poor elders, they're literally doing constant, everlasting, eternal, spiritual burpees. Nothing is going to get you more fit than that. Thank you so much, James. And I hope you enjoyed that at home. There's your spiritual workout done for the day. Um, so there's this crazy idea. Right, I know it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Um, but, but I love the idea there that worship is, is front and center in heaven, right? And, and worship, that's a part of our spiritual fitness. You know, worship is not just something for those who like to sing a bit. The thing that I take out of that picture is that the beings that are closest to God can literally do nothing else for all of eternity than worship. In fact, that's one of the greatest pictures that we have of heaven is that it's gonna be filled with worship that literally we've got to understand that when we come face to face with the God of the universe, when we come face to face with Jesus Christ in all his resurrected glory, there's no other possible response. Worship will not be a choice. It will just be a response. It will be a reaction to the glory of the presence of God. And so worship, and I'm not just limiting to worship to singing a few songs, but a life of worship is a natural outpouring of those who are drawing near to God. That has been front of mind for me over this past season because I have found 
it's actually my worship life that's been one of the more challenging things to maintain. You know, I love the way our team have led us in worship uh, on our screens and the, the filming and the sound recording has really made it way better than I ever expected it to be. But I've still struggled sometimes to engage. And, and as, uh, you know, we've been maybe getting a bit too much of a diet of news and, kind of, and, and just kind of hanging off every new development in things, I have found that my, my time just dedicated to being in the presence of God has been something that I've had to really work at maintaining. Worship centers me. Worship uh, is just a healthy part of my spiritual diet and kind of my spiritual uh, fitness, right? And so maintaining that hasn't been the easiest thing over this uh, this season, and, and one of the things I'm loving so much about doing church together again, even in this uh, watch party format, is that as much as I can worship at home, I own, I can put on a playlist or something else that's, uh, that's, that kind of speaks to me, but being with other believers gathered in this, in this place, worshiping together, has just been such a blessing. And I hope you check out one of these watch parties to just maybe get back into the rhythm of that, worshiping together. As we've spoken to people, it's been one of the highlights, one of the things people have been wanting to get to so much. And I wanna talk a little bit more about some concepts, some thoughts around spiritual fitness as we uh, go on. But it did get me thinking uh, about physical fitness. And I wanna just share with you a funny story. I'll let you have a laugh at my expense for a moment. And I've got a great friend, and we used to go to the gym together, and uh, yeah, we were a bit competitive. We were reasonably fit and strong at the time, and um, we would egg each other on, and um, we were pretty, pretty kind of even in our fitness, and so we would a good challenge for each other. And, you know, now um, we have, uh, you know, maybe not getting there it's quite so often, but every now and then we get together and do a workout in, in uh, someone's garage. We might get out and do that. But here's the thing, like we're, we're a little bit older, maybe a little bit wiser, you'd, you'd like to think. But what happens when we get together is that this sort of the memories of the glory days can actually get the better of us. And so we can come up with these stupid things to do that we used to be able to do. But right now, they're maybe not the best, right? And uh, so we kind of think, hey, we used to be able to do that. We could still have a go. And usually we manage in what is definitely a triumph of mind over matter. Um, but the funny thing is, boy, we take so much longer to recover. It takes way more out of us than it used to do. And I've got to tell you, I've been feeling a little bit like that in my spiritual life over this last little stretch. Uh, and, and in all aspects of life, there's this dim memory of a social life that I used to have. There's this, there's this thing called a calendar, which is sitting blankly on the wall, but I'm starting to remember how to use it uh, again now. And it's a bit like sort of fighting through the fog to get back into, you know, get back into the game like we've been talking about in this series. And this can be the same with our spiritual lives. We can... I feel like let things get down to almost like a low simmer. Maybe we started with a bang, uh, but now we're living out a little bit like it's on a, on a low steady boil. The fire hasn't totally gone out, but we're just kind of keeping things contained or in a, in a low maintenance, almost, uh, almost in a hibernation sort of mode. It's a bit easy to get like that in our spiritual lives. And I don't want to leave us there. So I want to take us to a passage out of uh, Paul's writings to Timothy. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, Paul writes in verse 6, this powerful statement that, that I've known for, for years and years, and I just love coming back to. And Paul says to Timmy, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, 
and of self-discipline. He says, Timothy, I want you to stir it up. I want you to fan it into flames. I want you to be conscious of, aware of this gift in your life. I don't want you to let it dull down. I don't want you to let it go cold. This is a big challenge for every one of us. And what an interesting thought that, that the counter here that, that Paul has to make is that fear and anxiety can cause these things to dull down in us. When maybe something big gets on our, our world and we start to lose sight of maybe God's big picture, then we can allow these things to go to a bit of a low ebb in our lives. And we're seeing it even just as we move back into church together. It's, it's kind of like walking with concrete boots a little bit to start with. We've really got to get ourselves back into this collective mode of following Jesus together. And, and I think it's really, really relevant for us. You know, it's not that we can't grow or deepen our faith uh, personally. Absolutely, we've got to be committed to that. But like we shared last week, that personal sense of, of spiritual fitness, of, of looking after our own daily walk with Christ, that's, that's in- incredibly vital and essential, but that's not all. All right, We're actually designed to get in the game together, to outwork this life of faith together. That's where we learn to forgive. It's where we learn to be patient. It's where we learn to be kind and humble and all of the other things that the gospel calls us into as it reframes all of our relationships. And let me read to you just that verse, the context of it, that verse there in 2 Timothy chapter 1. If I start a verse or so earlier, it says uh, this, I remember your genuine faith, Paul writes to Timothy, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. And he goes on to say, that's why I remind you to fan it into flames. What a cool thought. Your faith came from somewhere, okay? You share it with others because in most cases, someone else shared it with you. Every now and then I meet someone who literally just had a powerful encounter with God, maybe in their, in their home or uh, somewhere else. That God just arrested them and grabbed their attention with no involvement from someone else. But that is actually rarely the case. More often than not, somebody shared faith with you and you share this faith with others. Literally, that's how it works. Not only just the sharing, the giving of faith to others, but that we actually share a commonality in our faith. We're actually called to grow and to walk this out together. We are, we are linked. Romans 12, we mentioned last week again, actually says that we belong to one another as members of the body of Christ. Is it a call into Jesus? A call to follow him is a call into community. And so Paul's writing to Timothy encouraging him not to let it die down, but to stay engaged and make sure there is an outworking of his faith. He'd already written previously to Timothy along similar sort of lines. You see, Timothy faced the same challenges that you and I do. This idea of maintaining and growing a strong relationship with Jesus in the context of life with other people, in challenging circumstances, in all of the things that we tend to face. And if we really think about it, most of Paul's writings in the Bible are about encouraging believers to stay strong, encouraging them to keep growing together. And I started thinking about it this week, and I can't think of a single instance of where Paul's advice in his letters was, was to stay on someone's own, to maybe take time out, to go it alone, and just to journey in that way. He's always encouraging people to press in, to overcome differences, and ultimately to grow in faith together. Now, if we keep up this sort of sporting analogy we've been using, think of any successful team. It's made up of people who have special roles and unique abilities that come together and work in harmony. 
A great team is not a collection of clones, nor is it a superstar with, uh, some, uh, with a supporting cast. The, the images we're given, the analogies we're giving in, in the Bible, and the ones we see around us in day-to-day life uh, are actually of everybody having a part to play. And as we journey back towards this, this fullness of gathering together, I want to remind you and encourage you, you have a unique part to play. Every single one of us has So let's have a little further look at how we can define and understand this idea of spiritual fitness on a more personal level, because we've each got to take and and hold account for what God is doing in our lives. 2 Timothy 4, uh, picking up from verse 6, Paul writes, if you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you'll be a worthy servant of Jesus Christ, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have Followed. Think about that for just a moment. If you've done any level of training perhaps in your life, you'll actually know that your, your nourishment, your, your nutrition is a vital part. That, that central to any, any health is the training that you do, is the recovery uh, that you take, but also the nutrition and the nourishment. So Paul says, hey, you're nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching that you have followed. That comes from somebody else. That comes from those around us as well. And so we are nourished and grow together by the message of faith and the good teaching that we can follow. He then goes on to say, don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, he says, but training for godliness is much better promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying and everybody should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle for our hope is in the living God who is the savior of all people, particularly all believers. Uh, A little bit further on, Paul writes again to Timothy about this gift inside of him and says in verse 14, don't neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give yourself your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. It's a fascinating passage of Scripture. He says, Timothy, don't get caught up in arguments. Don't get caught up in things that may seem important but are sort of intellectual pursuits. They're, they're, they're all about, about sort of proving ourselves and who can sound the, the most godly. And look, I've got to be honest, sometimes it can get like that in our spiritual lives. Sometimes we can get more captivated by grand ideas than we do by actually just putting things into practice. And so what Paul is saying to Timothy here is, hey, don't get caught up in that. Timothy, keep it really simple. Keep it as basic as you possibly can and focus on living out a life of faith in God. Don't get caught up in all these external things and forget to stir up what God has put on the inside of you. You know, when Paul writes to Timothy, he's writing as a mature believer. He's writing as a mentor. He's writing as a spiritual father. He's writing as one who has seen it all. He has pioneered and ministered in countless churches. He has journeyed. His life has been on the line. And and as he writes so often, he he has poured himself out for the benefit of others. But the thing is, on that journey, he has seen people fall away as well for all sorts of reasons. He's seen them become distracted. He's seen them become confused or enticed by false doctrines. He's seen people walk away from faith for material reasons or sometimes because of hardship. He's seen good people just get off on the wrong track, get focused on all the wrong things. No doubt he has seen people live an idle life as followers because he's so often referring uh, to people and trying to stir them up and saying, no, 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 don't use these things as an excuse 
for an idle life. Don't get stuck as spiritual babes or babies, he says in one of his letters. Those who have failed to mature and move on to weightier matters. So is Paul talking about becoming a first grade top tier Christian? Is he talking about attaining a level of spirituality? Well, no, not really. He actually sees the life of faith as a continuum, as a journey that God is taking us all on. It's not a, a state of being, but a race to run. He talks about it as a call to live up to, and ultimately like a seed and a deposit in us that needs to be tended to and needs to come to maturity. So let's just dive back in there for a moment and see what Paul is actually saying there to Timothy as he says, stir up and fan into flames this spiritual gift. First of all, he's saying, don't waste time. Don't get sidetracked. Don't become idle. Don't dive off into all the the side issues that can sound impressive, but actually spend time and energy training yourself for spiritual fitness. Spend your time and energy in the outworking of your faith. And so there are a couple of things here that Paul is saying to Timothy. There are those base things that every one of us has got to take care of and attend to, just like our nutrition and recovery, our diet and our exercise physically. He's saying, hey, hey, there's, there's some elemental things. There's some base things that I'm assuming and encouraging you to be on top of, Timothy. That's for every one of us to take responsibility for our own life of prayer before God. It's to take responsibility for a heart of worship in our lives. It's to make sure that we are diving into God's word on our own and together so that it can nourish our bodies, so that it can feed our souls, so that it can strengthen and grow us. So he's saying don't neglect these things. Keep up a life of prayer and fasting and all of the spiritual disciplines that you have been led in. And in just a couple of weeks' time, we're gonna be doing some prayer and fasting together as a church. It's one of the greatest ways to strengthen and build ourselves up. But he goes on to say, Timothy, there is a special gift in you. And I just wanna say that right to you right now. There is a special gift in you. God has uniquely designed and shaped you for his purposes, okay, for his glory. He wants to use you in a powerful and a unique way. And that's not just because you're an incredibly special person. It's because God, that's God's plan. Every one of us is made unique in his image and is empowered by the Holy Spirit for a life of service, of serving one another, of serving and glorifying God. And Paul is so focused on Timothy stirring up the gift of ministry inside of him. Not just because he wants to see the results, he just wants to see the outworking of Timothy's faith. He wants to know for Timothy's good and for the good of others that it's an active faith, that it is fueled and it is fruitful. You see, Jesus' saving work in our lives is not just a past act, it is an ongoing empowering. It is an empowering and an equipping for service. There's a reminder that in Jesus, we're not just welcomed into the family of God, but we actually have full access to his presence and his power in our daily lives. We're not just the recipients of his work, we're the participants as well. We are a part of his plan for this planet. And he's called us to be partners in restoration. He's called us to bring change, to speak life and hope into difficult situations, to allow the good news that's settled in us to go out and to produce fruit all over the world. We are called into and, and invited into his body as an expression of his rule on this king, uh, and of his kingdom on this earth as it is in heaven. We're called to be a part of the announcing of the coming of the kingdom of God. We're called to show a different way of life. So, Timothy, so you sitting in your seat right there or on the couch at home, stir up the gift. 
Don't just be a nice Christian. Make a difference. Live out this life of faith in God. And I want to finish with this, this thought now that, that if we're thinking about what it, what it takes to fan something into flames, a fire actually needs two things, okay? It needs fuel and it needs air. And the air is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is us making room. It is us making space in our world for what God wants. Not just going to Him for what we want, but actually taking time and, and energy to, to allow God to breathe His life into us, setting aside time and space to hear from Him and to be walking in step with the Spirit. And I actually think that that fuel is the opportunity to minister. It's the opportunity, the position we put ourselves in to be able to impact somebody else. And that's not always an impressive looking thing. Sometimes it's, it might be right now, the fact that you took the chance this morning to be with somebody else and you can speak into their life. You can bring encouragement. You can speak hope into their life. You can thank them. You can encourage them. You can draw out the best in them. You can help fan into flames the gift inside somebody else. You know, in some ways, that's what I've missed most over this time is, is one of our greatest joys at church has always been watching and seeing a body of believers in action, in service of one another and of God as we gather together. Now, that's certainly not limited to just being here in the church building together. We can practice that wherever we are with others in our day-to-day walk. But one of the most beautiful things is to see God's people together serving one another in love. And you know, maybe that's what's been missing for you for a long time. Maybe that's a, a gap there in your world and that's something you want to step into in a fresh way. Maybe just to say, God, would you use me? Would you, would you show me? Maybe you've struggled with the thought that there's a unique role, purpose, part for you to play. And this is a time where the Holy Spirit can bring that alive in your life. Maybe in this season, God is calling you into relationship with him in a fresh and in a powerful way, in a way that has an impact on others. Maybe you can pray a prayer right now, wherever you are. This is God, would you just stir something in me? Would you remind me of, of the gift you've placed in my life? Would you help me to see ways to outwork it, to just be loving and kind and gracious and encouraging towards others? Or maybe you, you didn't realize that actually that's the way God saw you. That, that you're not just uh, you know, a nameless, faceless part of the masses, but that you're unique and he has called you to himself. Thanks for listening to our latest Sunday message. If you would like to find out more about our church, visit www.c3belconnen.org.au.